We're going inside them. We're going outside them. Inside them, outside them. And if we get them on the run once, we're going to keep them on the run. And we're not going to pass unless our secondary comes up too close. Don't forget that. We're going to get them on the run. We're going to go, go, go. 
these these types of games after such an emotional game against Ohio State, one that we should have won and you know, it, it was a physical battle. So not only, you know, is it tough on the guys physically but also mentally to go on the road and get up again for another night game where it's just there's no way to to fully get up for every game so the fact that we came out of duke with a win is all i needed it wasn't pretty all the time i I agree with you getting that bad taste out of our mouth uh I'm, i'm glad to glad to be done with the ohio state stuff um but also, Duke's a good football team, man. I mean, yes, that they are well coached. Mike Elko, he he knows what he's doing down there. So I mean, it, you know, I, I had some people talking to me. You know, what, what happened? Oh, I barely beaten Duke. Look, it, <laughs> it, it, if if the name across the scoreboard would have been anyone else that wasn't a basketball school. I, I mean, I think they do. They were they were the real deal. They are the real deal as 100%. far as the football team. So um, I'm glad we got the win. Um, and now uh, we're heading into our, our next road game, night game against an undefeated ranked opponent. Third yeah. or four in a row. So um, let's and, uh, let, no, go ahead. No, and, and Nick, I want to piggyback off that, like, you know, this is a strong Duke team, and Mike Elko is one of the the rising coaches that's going to be in the coaching carousel, or at least in that you know coaching um, carousel theories that you know if any job opens, he's going to be one of the top names that are mentioned to no you know doubt. potentially go to a Michigan State. He he gets his guys to play discipline. He's got guys in the transfer portal, and let's not forget this Duke team. You know, beat Clemson to to open up the the college football season. And right now they're, they're still sitting pretty. Um, I know the, the Notre Dame loss doesn't count against, you know, their ACC record. So, you know, this is a, arguably the second best team potentially in the ACC right behind Florida state. Um, yeah. You know, so they're going to be right there in the end in the ACC title game contention. So if anyone wants to, you know, downplay what, what this Duke team is um, you know, Tell me, you know, you don't know college football, you know, with those kind of comments. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right, let's jump into some of our, uh, our main topics here. We want to discuss, um, first off, uh, 13 tackles, one sack, two, uh, forced fumbles. Howard Cross, man, that, that dude is playing out of his mind. I mean, just Nominal performance, and I've been—you know—I've been saying it since fall camp how much I love this dude. But God, dude, I didn't think he could elevate his game even more, but he did just that. What do you think about uh, our boy Howard Cross, dude? Your son, my, my son. <laughs> I mean, he has absolutely his trajectory that he's given himself for this season has been remarkable. Um, I we all knew Howard Cross was good, but. I think even Riley Mills stole, you know, some of the the, the bright the bright lights during during the off season, um, and that could be, you know, just obviously beat writers, you know, thinking that maybe Riley Mills has a higher ceiling, obviously a little bit bigger, um, you know, the expectations for Riley were certainly bigger, but um, and sometimes those guys don't get kind of talked that way um, when 
we've kind of seen it before. Howard Cross, we know who he is. We don't need to write about him, so he doesn't get as much shine, kind of like Joe Alt on the offensive side during the offseason. However, this is where I'm going. This dude is a menace on the line, and he is by far the defensive MVP of the season, and it's not even close. And he was battling a sinus infection during the game. Let's not forget that. I saw that, The yeah. flu game. The flu game for, for yeah. Howard Cross oh, and – you know, three and a half tackles for loss, 13 total tackles, three solo, a sack. Um, he, he, he was outstanding, and he should be rising up draft boards, um, you know, if, if any of those draft analysts are, are watching the Irish defense. There's no doubt, man. And selfishly, I, I hope he comes back next year. Please come back. I Please mean, come back. We need God. him. He's a difference maker. I'm telling you, we don't win that game without Howard Cross. We do not. No doubt. I mean, just an incredible performance. So, God, I hope that dude just keeps balling out and come on back next year, man. My yeah, goodness. come on back. Come on back. Yeah. You don't need to, you know, Notre Dame figure out an NIL deal to make it a little, you know, sweeten up, uh, yeah. sweeten up the deal for, for my man Howard Cross because he's going to be worth every penny. No doubt about it. Um, all right, talking about another phenomenal performance. Uh, Mitchell Evans, six receptions for 134 yards, just looking like he's playing against little boys <laughs> out there. Like, what? again, another phenomenal performance. Two guys, Howard Cross and Mitchell Evans, that not many Notre Dame fans were talking about coming into this season, but those are the two players of the game, and it's not even close in my opinion. What yeah, do you think about Mitchell? Yeah, you're you're 100% right. The offensive defensive MVPs definitely stand out. Um, and Mitchell Evans, as good as Sam Hartman played, um, you know, with, you know, obviously the drive to get that fourth down conversion with his legs. Um, obviously, Sam Hartman made some masterful plays and make sure we were in position to win the game. But we're not in that position if we don't have Mitchell Evans all four quarters, six receptions, 134 yards, a lawn of 36 and gosh, his hands. I mean, obviously we've been spoiled with tight end. We are tight end you, no debate. And I think everyone thought it was going to be a drop down after Michael Mayer. You know, it's Mitchell Evans, Holden Stays, they're good, but they don't have the national recognition yet. Mitchell Evans is putting himself on the map these last two games, man. His performance versus Ohio State and then back it up again versus Duke. His hands, he's catching balls that are difficult catches. He's showing off his soft hands, getting yards after the catch. The one-hander from behind that was behind his back that he gave himself the tip drill to. Wow, the athleticism Mitchell Evans is displaying on the field and really helping out a depleted receiving room, um, including the wide receivers and tight ends. We needed somebody to step up big for this game to get the W, and Mitchell Evans performed that way. Yeah, just a phenomenal performance, man. And I mean, I, I feel like that was just as good, if not maybe even better than a lot of Michael Mayer's performances. And that's nothing against Michael Mayer. It was just that great of a game by Mitchell. Oh. So, uh, and you bring up the wide receiver room. and Yeah, let's talk about this. Yeah, let, let's talk about it. So uh, Jaden Thomas was out for this game with an injury. Deion Colsey out. Jaden Greathouse out we were down to four i believe scholarship wide receivers for this game four so you had so you Make had yes yeah, so you had braylon james chris tyree tobias merriweather enrico flores 
One of those four is a converted running back. So it's really a running back scholarship that's converted to wide receiver. Those are the four guys that were able to play. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a major concern. It was a major concern going into the game. I think Irish fans kind of downplayed it. And it's something that kind of frustrates me, Nick, on, on our end. I think we even got into it on Spaces um, with, <laughs> with some fans about, you know, the overall saying, hey, it doesn't matter who's on the field. You know, we got to perform at, at a high level. Guys, let, you know, Irish fans, let's pump the brakes. You have four scholarship receivers. Braylon, uh, Braylon James didn't even get on the field. So really it's three. And one of them, what if I told you, didn't even catch a ball. So we'll get to Tobias. We're going to get to Tobias in, oh, yeah. in a second here. Um, but, man, very proud of the effort I saw from Rico Flores. Very proud of the effort I saw from Chris Tyree. And then, obviously, we just talked about Mitchell Evans. We needed all three of those dudes, um, you know, during our drives. Now, the offense definitely wasn't up to speed or full potential Due to those injuries, I mean, you're playing a kid that's Rico Flores is 18 years old, 18 years old, and he was about in on every offensive snap, um, especially passing routes uh, that was going on during the game. And I feel like Irish fans sometimes have these expectations that, hey, next man up, he's got to perform just as well as Jaden Thomas. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes. I understand he's talented. I understand that we have high expectations for them, but you know, when, when these dudes don't perform when they're true freshmen, doesn't mean that, that they're bad or the, or the offense is, is performing not well. I mean, Jared Parker's given the cards that he's dealt here and the Irish receiving core was in a bad position. It was in a bad position. There's no doubt. I, I you've heard me say it a million times. I'm still so mad at Dell Alexander for letting this wide receiver room get to where it's at. Because like you said, this is not Jared Parker's fault. This is not Chancey Stuckey's fault. This is not Marcus Freeman's fault. All of this is because Dell Alexander was a terrible recruiter. And also he was terrible at managing his own room. I, it, it drives me nuts that we have so much talent on this team but wide receiver right now is holding us back so much because we have Sam freaking Hartman. Like, yeah, all I need is a, is a few more, even just average guys out there. Yes. And he'd be lighting the world on fire. It drives me nuts. And you know, a lot of people like on spaces, we were talking and like you said, it it doesn't matter who's out there. We should be, uh, you know, putting up this many points. Like, Wide receivers, all the running that they have to do, especially when there's nobody to rotate, you can't you can't expect them to go out and play at peak level when they're running the entire game. It's just it's it's not in the cards. It's not realistic. Hundred percent. And and then to double up on that with probably the the worst performance on the O line this year. I mean, I, again, it was not a great game plan by Jared Parker. It wasn't, but with the situation that he was given in this game, you know, we found a way to win. Exactly. But, but with poor O-line play, <laughs> three, maybe you could even consider it two scholarship wide receivers basically playing. Um, I, 
the fact that we got the win is is incredible. So hats off to to Hartman and 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 Parker for for finishing it. But still a lot of room to improve. But people just got to think about these these other factors. Yeah, like into. like let's 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 just again pump the brakes on the expectations. I there there's no show me another wide receiver room in college football that's power five or ranked in the top twenty five that is going out there with four scholarship wide receivers and really only three of them play. I mean, it's you're you're giving your offensive coordinator a limited playbook when you do that, and he's basically starting with one hand tied behind his back. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So again, it is fair to critique. Uh, Jared Parker on maybe some creativity or some play calling to maybe put their their players in better position, especially when you know you have you know limited players to work with, especially in the wide receiver room. I would love to see more play action. I would love to see more screen plays. I I'd, agree. Love, to see, yeah. I'd love to see more jet sweeps to get the ball in Chris Tyree's hands or even a Jeremiah Love. But you know. I think Notre Dame always rushes to be so critical of their coaches, especially offensive coordinators and defensive coordinators, where we don't, you know, see the big picture that, damn, I mean, I'm sure Jared Parker was looking, you know, when Jaden Greathouse went, went down with the hamstring during practice going, oh, crap, we're, we're in trouble, you know, and, and it's hard to scramble up a, a game plan not knowing that you're going to not have Greathouse and not have Jaden Thomas. Um, and, Again, so I digress. I digress. I just think, Notre Dame fans, this is my little vent that sometimes we just need to pump the brakes on the overreactions on on game plans because overall they got the job done. Um, yep. well, and that's all that matters. And that's all that matters. Nobody's going to care about how this game looked, you know, in a few weeks. Literally nobody, exactly. as long as we got the win. Yep. I'm with you. All right, taking a look at uh, the stats for the wide receiver room real quick. Uh, obviously, I, I read off Mitchell Evans. Uh, Chris Tyree had two receptions for 28 yards. Flores had two for 28 yards as well. Uh, then after that, the only guys that caught passes were uh, Audric Estime, four receptions for 25, and then Jeremiah Love, one for seven. Uh, Tobias Merriweather, I love you, man. I, I know you're only a sophomore, but – what I was seeing on Saturday night is not and will not cut it at not even just at Notre Dame at, at any oh. power five level. I, I mean, let me highlight first the pass interference play that they picked up, whatever. It was an underthrown ball. Dude, when you see that ball is underthrown, you got to be fighting like a madman to get back to it. And then the, he had a crossing route, went right through his oh. hands. I just, I, I, I got to see more um, urgency. Urgency, yeah, com- competitive drive, man. Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it, it's frustrating because I feel like that dude has all the athletic traits in the world to be a phenomenal player. And, and also, let's let's not completely write him off yet. He is only a sophomore. Uh, he's still learning, and he wouldn't have to be in this high-pressure situation if uh, previous coaches didn't put our wide receiver room in this. But still, show a little want to, man. I don't know, Joe. What do you think? Oh, I Nick, this was my my problem. Ah, it's hard to debate whether it was the offensive line's performance or Tobias. 
I mean, they're both equally when, you know, my negative takeaways from the game that definitely needs to improve going forward. If, if we want to be in college football playoff contention. Um, so I actually, I'm going to, I'm going to say it was, I think Tobias was probably my most disappointed player on the offensive side of the ball. And I think it's due to all the hype and, you know, there's, there was debate that, you know, this dude's going to be wide receiver one for us, you know, um, Tommy Reese held him back. He didn't get him on the field enough. This dude's going to blow by guys, but you're right. It is the pass interference, not even having some gamesmanship to him to go back to the ball and, and sell the penalty, um, right. you know, track the ball in the air and, and show some, some, some savvy to either draw the penalty or, you know, try to make one heck of a play for the catch. I mean, the one that he was crossing, um, under, you know, right above the uh, offensive line, the crossing route, he didn't look like he didn't even want to touch the ball. Like he was just running a route just to run a route. And yeah. when he saw the ball was coming to him, he looked like a scared puppy. You know, like, oh, shoot, the ball's coming to me. Didn't expect this. And it's like, dude, if this was a game that we needed you to break out, that you need to have total mental focus on, was this game. When you have Deion Colsey out, Jaden Greathouse out, Jaden Thomas out, this was the game that was going to be on prime time on ABC where you have your breakout performance saying Tobias Merriweather has arrived and you didn't show any of that. You didn't show any of that urgency on the field. And I don't think, I think Tobias and, and, and Stucky are going to look at the film and I think Chansey's going to get to him. I think he's, he's going to show him that this is a good learning experience for him. I'm not giving up on Tobias. Obviously he has an incredible ceiling that he can still reach. But this was, you know, hopefully a wake-up call that he can't have these kind of performances and expect to be on the field. Absolutely, man. And if we had literally any other scholarship wide receivers, I don't think he would have been on the field. 100%. I, I, I think you pull him. But on the flip side, he, he does do a really good job uh, in blocking. So, And that's not to be overlooked. So, yep. Um, now, you brought up another good point. Let, let's move on to the offensive line. This game – the, this game was very frustrating for me watching it, uh, and then I rewatched it, and I got even more frustrated. Um, now, I know we have two brand-new starters at, at both guard spots, and on top of that, I know this Duke defense, especially their defensive line, man, they played out of their minds. Um, they played big time. They played big time. But on the flip side – what I saw at both guard positions is not going to cut it. I, I mean, I, I thought the guards played okay against Ohio State. This was poor play. Like, I, I, not even just average. It, it was bad. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it, it was our interior guys got their butts kicked, and I thought they got their butts kicked for from the first quarter to the end of the game. And – Again, I guess it comes down to drive. They got it done in the drive where they gave Sam enough protection where he was able to roll out. So, again, we won the game. However, when, when Rudolph looks at the film and Parker looks at the film, there's got to be some serious – in my opinion, there's got to be some serious questions asked in the interior part of the offensive line because, you know, we cannot have those kind of performers or get our butts kicked like the Duke linemen kicked our – but for, for four quarters. Um, first of all, I want to tip my hat to Jamie on Franklin. Love that, that dude. He's, cool. he, he's gone through a ton of adversity. 
He, he decided to go to Duke. He probably could have went to a, a lot of other schools, but God goes to another academic school like Duke. His parents have gone through, you know, some medical issues and that dude still comes out and plays with his head on fire. Um, you know, I, I love watching him play and makes me think, dang, if we just had that guy coming in on our ones and twos uh, uh, in the blue and gold, it, it'd be pretty nice, wouldn't it? But to stay on the offensive line, you know, Coogan, I think it was Zeke's worst performance maybe ever, you know, in, in the starting lineup in, in a Notre Dame uniform, and then Zeke Corral. Uh, they, they were just exposed. They were overwhelmed. They – I think they battled, but they, they just looked inferior to, to his Duke, um, you know, defensive line. And what I'm getting at is, Rudolph, this may be at a point where do you look at Billy Shroud? Do you give Christophic an opportunity to maybe say, hey, you know, we've, we've had the sample size with Coogan. We've had the sample size with, with, um, with Rocco. Is this time for, you know, maybe giving Christophic or Billy Shroud on the field to, to see what they can do? I think it's a fair, fair thing to ask. I, I totally agree, especially if, you know, you know, we heard about this battle between Shrouth and uh, Coogan. You know, how close was that battle? If it, if it was really close and came down to, to just a few things and you see a game like this, wh why wouldn't you consider it? At least maybe rotating a little bit. I know chemistry is crucial on the offensive line, but, um, you know, I, but also, again, on the flip side, it, it's a tough game, man. Ohio State was a very physical game. Uh, you know, Duke was very physical. So I, I, I'm going to give them a pass for now. I, I have a feeling Joe Rudolph's going to be uh, chewing some ass uh, yeah. and after the guys. The film's and not going to be pretty. No, no, it is definitely not. But I'm hopeful that they, they rebound uh, this week against Louisville. But if they don't uh, – yeah, I, I'd, I'd be – I think you're right. I think I'm eyeing the bye week to, you know, possibly um, maybe get some new guys in there. So we will see. Um, anything else on the O-line that you wanted to touch on? Yeah, I mean, the only other thing is, you know, Zeke Carell with the false starts. Um, and you know, that, that, that was, you know, a bit surprising. Um no, I, I guess on the offensive line, I, I think you made some some really good points. I, I I'm probably getting my emotions in my head a little bit on on trying to say maybe we we should open up these jobs a little bit. Um, no, I I think it's fair. And, and anytime you're you're not playing up to par, I mean, this is Notre Dame. We're here, we're here to win football games. So if you're if you're not playing up to par, then absolutely, I I, I want the next guy. I want the next Billy Shrouth or the Christophic chomping at their heels, yes. ready to come in. So I no, I don't think that's like an overreaction or, or anything like that. I think you give them this week, and and if they they struggle, then hey, <laughs> yeah. we gotta try some other guys. So I think you're spot on on that. 100%. Yep. So. We'll see. It's definitely something that, you know, I think opponents are going to watch that film and say this is something that maybe you know, Notre Dame's vulnerable at. So, uh, you know, obviously going into Louisville game, another primetime game against a ranked opponent, you know, they're, they're going to have to put their big boy pants on and, and perform at a high level like they did versus Ohio State. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, let's flip it over. Let's talk about the defense a little bit. Um, what a phenomenal performance. Uh, and I'm going to go on a, a little bit of a tangent here. 
because you know it was just last week i heard people saying fire out golden because of the 10 guys on the field and this and that e- even in the off season it was you know out golden won't be back after this year uh he's awful fire him whatever my my message to everybody who's ever thought that say with your chest nick say with your chest be careful what you wish for this defense right now okay i'm going to read off a few stats they're third in team passing efficiency 15th in scoring defense ninth in yards per play sixth in red zone defense 16th in pass yards per completion fourth in passing yards allowed and seventh in total defense they are seventh in total defense and they've played one of the most brutal stretches of a schedule of anyone in the country you cannot tell me that al golden is a problem ever unless it is a complete collapse this man knows how to coach defense so my biggest my gripe here my rant of the day stop trying to fire our coordinators after a couple mistakes Coaches are human, too. This guy is doing some phenomenal things on the defensive side of the ball, and I think Notre Dame, need, Notre Dame fans need to appreciate it more because we don't win that game if the defense does not play to the level they played at. What do you think, Joe? Dude, you, you hit it right on the head. How am I supposed to back that up? I mean, you just, <laughs> you just laid out the facts uh, on the table, man. Um, I agree. I, I think Al Gordon just gets a bad rap. And again, this kind of goes with my Jared Parker uh, thing earlier. Yeah. You know, Irish fans are so quick to just, you know, have a, a complete overreaction on, you know, one drive or one play that, you know, wasn't executed properly. Um, you know, we are the biggest critics of the Notre Dame football program. But again, if you take a step back and look at the big picture, let, let's, let's, let's just see how it is, you know, see, or, you know, take, Take it for what it is. I mean, if you will, if I would have told you, again, this is going in back-to-back weeks, and I said this in the podcast that, you know, obviously we couldn't air out with Ohio State, but, you know, if I would have told you that, you know, we would have, you know, only held Duke to 14 points, you would have taken that in a heartbeat. I would have taken that in a heartbeat. Like, wait, you're telling me before the game, no I, I don't know, come, and we're going to hold this, this Duke team to 14 points? Done. Take it. We win the game. I mean – he has done Al Golden, as in he has done a, a masterful job. Riley Leonard probably played his worst college football game. This is a guy that's been rising up the draft board in, in the QB ranks uh, for you know potential draft picks. And you held this dude. He was uncomfortable all night. Twelve for twenty-seven, hundred thirty-four yards. He did throw one touchdown, but also interception with a QBR rating of forty-six point zero. I mean, that is outstanding. Outstanding. <laughs> absolutely outstanding outstanding I, so i again just uh, l- let's appreciate this defense and what uh they're doing because it's uh it's yeah. impressive and nick and, and i know you rewatched it i i thought i saw some more creativity out of defense um mm-hmm. you know marist looked and this was what gets me kind of excited about the usc game marist looks now, McCord's not – when we look back at the Ohio State game, McCord's kind of in the pocket. He wants to throw the ball. And for Riley Leonard during the game, you know, we all knew going in the game that part of the game plan for Duke was using Riley's legs to get the ball. And I think 
with the personnel we have, and this is what gets me excited about playing USD with Caleb Williams, Maris Lufau is an awesome spy because I think he feels really comfortable in that role. And we saw it on full display versus Duke, and it gets me excited. You know, obviously we have Louisville on Saturday. I know everyone maybe listening is like, oh, you're looking ahead. Pump the brakes, Joe. I'm sorry. I can't help it. If you, I know U.S. <laughs> a couple weeks, all right? Um, and, and it gets me excited thinking that, you know, we may have a better Maris Leopold performance than we did versus Ohio State because I do think that that spy coverage fits him really well. It makes him play with, you know, one objection is, you know, make sure that quarterback um, – you know, basically isn't comfortable and isn't able to extend plays with his legs. Um, and then also on the defensive line, I saw more stunts. I saw more, you know, guys looking like they were going to blitz and, and then dropping back. I, I thought Al Golden did an unbelievable job prepping for this game, showing a little bit more of his playbook, and it really showed it in the outcome of, you know, Duke's performance on, on Saturday night because they weren't comfortable at all, at all. So tip tip my cap to, to Al Golden and his whole defensive staff. I think that's a great point. And, you know, on, on last week's show that never was able to be put out, we t- we brought up Maris Leofow and his struggles because he did struggle a little bit against Ohio State. 64 snaps, zero tackles. And we were giving him a hard time. What a bounce back game. I mean, you, are, you hit the nail on the head. He had a great game. Some other guys on the defensive, defensive side of the ball that – are playing really well. I, I mean, Javante Jean-Baptiste, he, he's stacking weeks now. Man. Yes, sir. It, it's not yes, just, sir. Uh, every now and again, he's splashing. He's stacking solid performance after solid performance on top of each other. He's become a difference maker. Riley Mills had another good game. Uh, yes. Jordan Batillo, unfortunately, we're going to be without him. And I, we may get to officiating. Um, we'll yeah, see. Let's get, we'll get it there here in a second. Okay. Um, Final thoughts, X Watts had a great game. Cam Hart, man. Cam Hart is – everybody loves Benny Clamps. I love Benny Clamps. Love that man. Yeah. But let's also take a moment and talk about Cam Hart. That guy has balled out this year. I mean, oh. been very impressive. I it, They're playing at a high level. I mean, again, I, I know I you know kind of just said this in, in my rant that I just had, but if you would have told me and you would have told any Notre Dame fan that – you would have played Ohio State and held them to 17 points and then held Duke, you know, 17th ranked Duke to 14 points, that you would be holy smokes. Everybody would have no. taken that deal and been like, oh, my gosh, we're about to be, you know, 6-0 and going into to the Louisville week. But yep. obviously, you know, offensively we couldn't get – you know, I'm not going to rehash Ohio State, but overall, look, I mean, 17 points versus Ohio State, 14 points versus another ranked opponent at Duke. It's outstanding, and I hope they keep they keep improving the trajectory. I don't want this to be the pinnacle. Just keep getting better each week because we're going to need it um, to finish this season off. Uh, you know where where Irish fans want it to be. Yeah, well said, man. And uh, w- with that, let's let's jump into some of the officiating of this game. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. The, 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 the the two biggest gripes for me, and look, I know we had a lot of self-inflicted uh, penalties that were legit penalties, you know, the, the false starts and yada yada. But when it gets down to targeting, okay, and you're <laughs> – 
He was he was tackling his hip, man. Like that has never been called in the history of football. It's never been called a targeting to the hip or, or anywhere. And they can say that oh they're trying to protect the tackler, this and that, all they want. I, I'm calling BS, man. I look. Unless, if you're not going to review the one against Central Michigan against Devin Ford, you can't. <laughs> you can't tell me. You can't tell me that that's a targeting penalty. And now, Jordan Batello has to miss a whole another half of the game. Ridiculous, R- ridiculous, ridiculous. And then on top of that, Bryce McPherson had a phenomenal punt. Should have been at the one yard line. That's what they called on the field. They reviewed it. <laughs> Said it was a touchback, and then came back right after a commercial and said, um, "Yeah, we were we weren't technically allowed to review that, but all right, could carry on. Give me yeah. a break, dude. What what is happening, dude? It's it's something that I hope Jack Swarbrick, the athletic department, Marcus Freeman, is is really looking into and really challenging the ACC on because it's coming off as bias against the ACC because as Notre Dame fans know, we have a deal with the ACC, but we are not affiliated with the ACC. ACC officials, when the NCAA, you know, they have their SEC officials, their Big 12 officials, the ACC officials have no allegiance to Notre Dame, none allegiance. But Marcus Freeman and Jack Swarbrick, this is example A. You want us to join your conference? Look at your officiating. You want us to join this, this product, this product you're putting on the floor that we have to compete against, where it's not just the 11 players on the field. We're also going against the guys in the black and white. Uh, it's, 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 it's a concerning thing moving forward because I, and I hope that Marcus Freeman and Jack Sporberg, again, are challenging, um, you know, the ACC commissioner, whoever is in charge of the ACC officiating, because here are the stats. For non-ACC games for Notre Dame, Notre Dame averages 4.25 penalties a game with an average penalty yards of 42 yards. ACC games, 11 penalties average for 76 average penalty yards. A 6.75 difference on penalties and a 34-yard difference um, in the yardage. I mean... You just that, can't. T- you can't. You can't convince me that that's just by coincidence. You can't do it. I, 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 I can't. It's it's something that has to be looked at, has to be questioned by the Notre Dame athletic department, and I hope something gets fixed because it's absolutely inexcusable to give to 19 yards when you mark you mark the punter at the one yard line. And then we just come out of commercial and it's like, up oh, we, we reviewed the play. And then again, yeah. like you said, no explanation either. Yeah. No explanation. They just go right into it. Um, they, they're, you know, Riley Leonard's all comfortable that he now has 20 yards behind him. Um, Jeez. and, and then the fact that there's the, the official crew, which tip my hat to ESPN. I'm, I'm, I was kind of surprised that they even admitted this, but, you know, Me the, too. the ESPN officiating expert coming back saying, actually, looking at the rule book, this play should never have been reviewed. This is a play that's non-reviewable. So what got missed in translation from the booth calling down and, and absolutely botching the, the rule book on, on this ruling and, and giving Duke 
19 yards in a critical situation in the game. And then those things can't happen. Obviously, the Jordan Patello theme, if you're going to call that, just just review every tackle that goes on yeah. in college football. Review every tackle then because yeah. we're, we're getting away from playing the game, um, having the physicality of the game we love if, if we're going to you know call those those plays. Now, did now if you slow it down, crown on the helmet, but – uh, it, that is like I see that play probably happens all the time, man. thirty or forty times throughout the game, and that's the one you choose to look at. And I bet if you yeah. even ask Riley Leonard, they he was probably like, "What are they looking at?" What? Yeah. yeah. So um, it's not like he he was going out viciously trying to hurt Riley Leonard. That was just a football play that was absolutely mind blowing when when they went to review. I I, I was honestly shocked and. Wasn't even really surprised. Once I knew they were viewing it, I go, "Well, Jordan's out of here. Mm-hmm. He's out of here." Mm-hmm. And it sucks we lose him for the first half versus Louisville. It does. There's no way around it. That hurts. That hurts big time. Yeah. Um, but but there's one other thing I, w- I want to say about this, and then we can move on from officiating. Uh, a play as big as that punt, if you put them on the one yard line, they are not scoring. Uh, if they do, that's incredible. Great play. But when you when you overturn something like that without knowing that you can't review it or without having inconclusive evidence, yes. there is, there's no way you can tell me that there is uh, conclusive evidence to overturn that. There's zero way. I, I believe that. But yeah. when you do that and you put Duke out on the 20-yard line, they go down and score. Okay, now you're not just messing with uh, who wins or loses, Okay. We've talked about both of our coordinators being fired on this podcast. This one episode alone, okay? You, you start making calls like that. Now people are are you're affecting a lot of stuff, okay? <laughs> let the let the guys on the field determine the outcome. I get so sick of even watching NFL, how much the refs control, oh. and it, it's a shame and it drives me nuts and it really it really seems to happen a lot to our Irish and it's, it's driving me nuts. And I'm like you, I, I really hope Jack Swarbrick um, I'm is, starting, uh, is asking some questions. Yeah. And I, I'm starting to just really kind of, you know, become numb to it. It's, it's almost the price we play for being independents because, you know, when we bring central Michigan in, you're going to bring in Mac officiating crew. When you bring Ohio state into Notre Dame stadium, you're going to have a big 10 officiating crew. Who are they going to have allegiance to your opponent? So even in our in our house, there's no independent officiating crew or Notre Dame specific officiating crew. We always have to ask the visitors or the visiting conference, uh, visiting or I guess uh, opponents conference uh, to bring in their own officials for for our game. And you're you're putting yourself at, at a disadvantage because you know those guys are are going to have allegiance to to the guys that they see you know every Saturday rather than than the Irish, and it sucks. It does. It, it, it really does. And I'm to the point now where why can't we have uh, an independent crew of, uh, <laughs> of refs? I mean, I know that's probably well, ludicrous, and then but the, something. And then the inconclusive things like just to, I mean, I'm still just under, uh, you know what? I'm just going to calm down, but still the Sam, the Sam, <laughs> I Hartman, know, man, I'm getting fired up too. The Sam Hartman play last the first drive for, for Sam Hartman against Ohio state. Where's the inconclusive evidence where, and then with the punt return, like I need to see absolute foolproof that they got the call. When, when the ball is reviewed on a catch and you could clearly see the ball hit the turf and they call it a catch. Yes. I get those. 
But these are like, these are judgment calls Notre Dame is losing at the booth. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you yeah, kidding it's me? Ridiculous. So, all right, we, we can move on. But anyway, it's, it's yeah, a, that's it's something to monitor. <laughs> Absolutely. And I know people, are, oh, you, you know, people are going to be like, stop blaming the refs, blah, blah, blah. Look, I. I'm not blame. I'm not sitting here blaming the refs. I'm more saying, from our view of, yes. you know, we both know football pretty well, and if it's called fair, I usually admit it. But when you're you're starting to see a little bit of a pattern here, so that's why it's it's discussing, in, in my opinion. Good so, point, Nick. Anyway, and and I don't can, want people to you know say like you know me venting here was you know us you know, or myself saying that we lost the Ohio State game because of the officiating crew, I, no, no, no. I don't believe that at all. I don't believe no, that at all. That's not what we're saying. Notre yeah. Dame gave himself enough self-inflicting wounds to lose that game. So, Absolutely. But it is something where you feel like we're getting the short end of the stick with the officiating crews and officiating decisions that have been taking place so far this season. And, yes, I'm worried about it. And, and if it's something that just happened once – Sure, we could get over it, but this is happening time after time after time. Yeah. But anyway, all right, we'll move it forward. Um, real quickly, we're, we're going to touch on uh, some recruiting, um, and then we'll jump. Uh, then we'll get to segment two. Um, we got some new commits, man. Um, big visitor weekend uh, for the Ohio State game. Had lots of lots of talented high school players um, in attendance for that, and we got a commit from Joseph Reif, uh, defensive lineman. C.J. May uh, out of Alabama uh, as a Viper uh, edge rusher. And then uh, Daniel Anderson, uh, running back, um, all committed to the Irish. Uh, Davis Andrews, a, a 24 target for Notre Dame, uh, announced his commitment to Utah. Um, so we lost out on that one. But, Joe, do you have any um, any specific thoughts on, on any of these three guys that we got uh, or just in, on re recruiting in general? Yeah, so, you know, my, my main takeaway, even when you're going through those names, I love the locations these dudes are at and where we're, where we're mm -hmm. recruiting. You know, Arkansas, Chicago, Illinois, El Elmhurst um, is, is right outside uh, of Chicago. Um, and then in Alabama's backyard, we, we get a four-star um, four recruit, C.J. May, that is in a position that, that I really want to see um, we attack uh, on the recruiting trail and no CJ doubt. May, you know, jumping into the class, um, you know, for, for the 2025, it, there feels like a ton of momentum for this 2025 class, man. You, it's a, it feels like a different energy. I love the 24 class. I love the 23 mm -hmm. class with the, we're starting to stack them. We're starting to stack. And I think we're, we're stacking, bigger blocks on top of bigger blocks 23 yeah. i think 24 is arguably better than than the 23 class and i think the 25 class for the way that it's already folding out is in great position to obviously be a top five class in in college football maybe even top three um you already have your quarterback that's on the recruiting trail getting these guys um excited about joining the irish 25 um, it's, it's, it's kind of fun to see play out on, on Twitter and the videos you see of, you know, these recruits, you know, interacting with one another, this, uh, Chad Bowden and, you know, all the coaching staff has something cooking in, in 2025. Yeah. I mean, I think that's really well said, and I'm not going to add a ton to it because I, I really think you hit 
everything that needs to be hit. CJ May, I think, is a big pickup. Yeah, you know, I can't remember the last time we went down to Alabama and got somebody. Um, but uh, overall, I, I love seeing Deuce Knight recruiting like crazy on Twitter. Uh, he seems fully bought in. And some of the guys that we're in on that I think are leaning Notre Dame's way. I mean, sky's the limit for this class, man. It's got me, it's got me fired up. But uh, we're running over on time, so um, let's go ahead. Uh, we'll take a break, and then we'll be right back with segment two. Welcome back to the First to Gold podcast segment two. Uh, we're going to start off here by previewing Louisville. Uh, the Irish are heading down to Louisville um, this Saturday night for another primetime kickoff. Um, Joe, what can we expect out of uh, out of Louisville? Well, man, I, I think we're playing a very tough opponent. Uh, this is the fourth, uh, you know, or I should say third straight ranked opponent uh, that, that Notre Dame will face, probably soon to be fourth um, with USC. But Louisville has impressed so far this season. They're 5-0 and on the year. Their wins are over Georgia Tech, Murray State, Indiana, Boston College, and most recently last weekend, NC State, a 13-10 win. Um, their offensive stats are impressive. Are impressive. Uh, you know, they average 37 points per game, almost 40 points per game on the offensive side of the ball. Um, I know they, they had some kind of some blowouts, um, you know, where they increased that point margin versus Murray State. But, you know, five games in, you know, averaging over 301, you know, passing yards and 193 rushing yards per game. That brings a total of almost 500 yards per game is is impressive. So the defensive side of the ball, you know, in a hostile environment, I think it's going to have their their hands full. And it starts with a guy that's, you know, pretty familiar to to Irish fans and, you know, obviously this defensive staff. And that's Jack Plummer. Uh, Jack Plummer obviously uh, started his career at Purdue, uh, transferred over to Cal after three years at Purdue and you know played against the Irish and then obviously this will be his third team that that he plays against the Irish with um, with you know playing with the Louisville Cardinals uh, here this Saturday so offensively I will say you know Notre Dame has a tall task in front of them um, to get this dub in, in in Louisville Kentucky yeah I this is one of those games man uh, this is just a brutal stretch of the schedule like I, I really wish we had a bye week or, or something. Um, uh, now, I, there's no doubt I think Notre Dame's the, the tougher team, the more talented team. Um, I do think that they're they're going to correct some of their mistakes from last week, and they're going to come out um, with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, I think, especially the O-line. Um, I really hope we get that running game going early and often and just make their quarterback uncomfortable and, and shut down their running game, and I, I'm – I'm feeling pretty good about this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm feeling good too. The the thing that Notre Dame just has to fight every year is, you know, they are, you know, other team Super Bowls. They are. Really, and man. this is going to be on prime time. You know, Brom obviously coming down from from Purdue back at his alma mater, starting off hot with a 5-0 and record. And now they're, they're presented a prime time game against Notre Dame. Um, you know, this is exactly what Louisville fans want. They want to say, hey, we're back. This is the, the, you know, Louisville, we're back on the map in the college football world game. And, you know, for us, it's, it's kind of a, 
a little bit of a trap game. Obviously, the emotional highs of Ohio State, you know, getting the bad taste of, of Duke out of your mouth, um, you know, and Durham. And then you have to go again, <laughs> another emotional game because Louisville's had this circled for a long time. To give, and, and the reason I say this is if you look down Louisville's schedule, their next toughest games are Duke. And then at the very end of November, they play on November 18th, Miami and Kentucky. So they avoid playing Florida State. They avoid playing Clemson uh, in their good. ACC schedule. So this is their game. This is their game to kind of have their coming out party. And yeah. for for Notre Dame, they, they see USC ahead. They see um, that, you know, this is another primetime game where they're going to have to bring up their – emotional toughness um to another to another level this week because again i know i'm going on a little bit of a ramble here but you know this is a a big game for for the louisville program and something you battle when you come to notre dame yeah no doubt about it man you're you're exactly right and then every team that we play this is the game they have circled on their calendar i mean we've seen it we've seen it every year (laughs) uh we've been fans so um it's going to be a big game um another primetime game uh, we're getting some guys back i believe Jaden greathouse is back and Jaden thomas um both are practicing um, yeah both are practicing both should be back so i'm sure hartman's <laughs> breathing a sigh of relief after that and raritan uh, oh and raritan yes that's huge that's huge uh raritan will be back I- i'm excited to see what what he can do um, so I, it, it'll be a challenge, no doubt about it, but, um, man, I, I'm fired up for it. Yeah, I, I'm fired up for it too, Nick. I think, you know, this, this Louisville team, now that they're ranked are, are getting some, some, some street cred, uh, in the college football world, because, you know, their first five games have been impressive, you know, putting up close to 500 yeah. yards, you know, offensively and defensively, they've been impressive too, you know, holding NC state to just 10 points. Um, you know, only allowing about 218 passing yards per game, 100 yards rushing. Um, so they've only been allowing their opponents to hit, you know, just over 300 total yards um, per game, which which is impressive. So on both sides of the ball, we're going to be challenged. This is going to be their Super Bowl. They know their schedule sets up very well for them to obviously, you know, get this win versus Notre Dame and their schedule sets up where, you know, they play kind of a, a disappointing Pittsburgh team the following week, and then they're off, and, and then they go into their final stretch. Um, but this would be, you know, kind of uh, the cherry on top for for their first half of, of college football play this season. No doubt, man. They're going to be fired up. They're going to be ready to go. So. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, Vegas has the line set at Notre Dame minus six and a half, over under 53 and a half. Um, do we want to go ahead and jump into predict predictions, Joe? I I'm ready. I think I'm going to shock some people with my prediction. All right. I'll let you go first then. All right. So we have been very high on, on Al Golden and this number screams way too high for an Al Golden, um, for an Al Golden led defense that's going to be on the field. 53 and a half points is, is a lot of points. A lot. Um, and that, that tells me that, you know, Vegas is expecting, you know, Louisville to get in to, to the twenties and, you know, possibly, you know, um, the upper twenties. So 
I, I don't see that being the case. I, I really do think this defense is playing at a high level, and I hope they have kind of a repeat performance that they did against Duke. So I, I'm going to have kind of an impressive win for Notre Dame to build momentum again into another big-time opponent versus USC. You know, let's let's take care of business. And I, I think the offense is going to play better than, than they did versus Duke. And it's going to be a wake-up call for the offensive line. we got some dudes healthy uh, in practice this week that's going to help out the offensive playbook and, and give uh, Coach Parker some, some extra cards to play with. So in that whole speech that I just gave, my prediction is Notre Dame 31, and I'm going to have Louisville at 14. <laughs> There's no way, man. That's exactly what I wrote down. <laughs> That's wild. Um, so, yeah, very well said, Joe. I, that was spot on. And honestly, that, that's really how I feel as well. I think I think the O-line is going to come out pissed off in this game. I think Joe Rudolph's going to clean up a lot of the mistakes from last week. I think it's a big day for all of our running backs. I think we get the, the running game going early and often. And I'm hoping to see more of that play action like you brought up on offense. Then on defense, man, um, th their quarterback throwing the ball doesn't scare me a ton. I hope we can shut down their running game and, and make him uncomfortable. And I think this this should be um, a pretty pretty comfortable win for the Irish. I had 31-14 as well, <laughs> um, but I guess I'll, I'll I'll switch it up a little bit. I'll, I'll say uh, let's go 35-10. All right, 35 I like it. Yeah, I just I, I'm with you. I, I just don't see an Al Golden this deep. The way that I should say just Al Golden defense, but the way this defense is playing, especially the last two Saturdays against Duke and Top Ohio match. State, and for unless Notre Dame puts up forty of the points itself um, to hit that over, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't see Louisville contributing to have you know this game to be over fifty three and a half. So uh, I, I'm very confident and high on the Notre Dame defense. That's why I feel very confident about the under, and I think Notre Dame is. Again, like you said, it's, it's, it's kind of lacking the explosive plays right now, but we're, we're going to be able to to move the chains, um, you know, with getting some guys healthy. I'm excited to see Eli uh, Raritan on, on the field hopefully this week. I know he's practicing full go and uh, seeing what, what they, they carve up for for their game plan against, against the Cardinals. Well said, man. So there you have our score predictions. I'm sitting at Notre Dame 35, Louisville 10. Joe is at Notre Dame 31, uh, Louisville 14. So we'll see what happens, man. It's going to be fun. Another night game. Uh, I just hope it's not another one of those games that's got my blood pressure going through. <laughs> <laughs> Taking years off my life. I hear uh, you, brother. But uh, all right, with that, let's uh, let's go ahead and jump on into questions, Joe. Yeah, let's, let's go ahead. And again, we appreciate everyone that uh, sends us some DMs, whether it's on uh, Facebook uh, or on our, our Twitter. And obviously you can, you know, comment your questions on, on the tweets that we send out for our mailbag. So appreciate everyone that, that has contributed so far. And we encourage any questions that you guys have moving forward in the season. Um, but let's start with Liam Godet. Liam Godet, IT. He asked, do you think the receivers have been underdeveloped? Why are they having trouble getting open? Nick, I'll, I'll let you uh, take this first one from Liam. What's up, Liam? Man, we appreciate the question. Uh, and it's a good question. You, I think you kind of know my thoughts from the Twitter space as far as how I feel about the, the receiving room right now. 
but it, it, this is a great question. So as far as being underdeveloped, I, I don't think they're being underdeveloped. I just think the cupboard is very bare right now. And then you, you add on some injuries uh, to that. And it just, it puts you in a, in a bind as far as uh, our wide receiver room. So I, I think develop development wise, um, I, I think we're headed on a, a, a great traje- trajectory. Um under Chancey Stuckey, and uh, I think a lot of those guys will only get better, but it's just a shame that, uh, you know, guys like Rico Flores and, and Jaden Greathouse are asked to take on such a such a large role, um, mm-hmm. such a young age, even though they're stepping up to the challenge. So uh, as far as the development part, I'm pleased with it. I just, I wish we weren't in this situation to with our numbers and our skill talent um as far as why are we having trouble getting open man don't get me wrong our guys can get open at times but i think you know the first thing for me is i think towards the end of the games they're getting tired especially when they got to be out there so much it's tough to to run crisp routes and go 110 percent when you're literally out there every snap running those routes and doing, you know, blocking for, for the run game. So I think it starts with that. And then, you know, just athletic skill and route running, I think adds a lot into it. Um, but I do think it's coming along again. I don't think our wide receivers are awful. I just, I don't think we have enough talented players um, to where we should be. Um, so Joe, uh, uh, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, um, I I don't think this is on on Stucky, you know, regarding why have our receivers been been underdeveloped. Uh, I think Tobias is it's easy to, you know, obviously point out the the underwhelming performances he's had on the field so far this season. Now he's had he's shown flashes, of course, um, but you know it goes with Dion Colsey. It goes with you know losing Lorenzo Styles, who had a disappointing year last year. However. You know, with the dudes they're bringing in, they're different. Um, so I do think this is going to be a, a fixed problem here in the next year or two when we, you know, keep pretty much reloading our wide receiver rooms with the dudes that, that Stucky wants. And these aren't guys that, you know, that need to be developed. I mean, what I love about, you know, what we're doing on the recruitment trail is that we're getting dudes that are ready to go now. You know, we're, we're obviously we took a project in Braylon James, but – you know, you take a dude like Jaden Greathouse, who's played big time football in in Texas. Um, you take Rico Flores, who played big time football in California. You know, I think that also contributes to the wide receiver room, and it's going to help you know Stucky get those guys on the field a little bit quicker when when you're recruiting from you know big time programs and and guys that are physically kind of more mature in, in their game, um, in their skill set. Uh, compared to some of the other risks we took, you know, such as, you know, Lorenzo Styles or, you know, Tobias Merriweather, the Dion Colsey's. Um, so that, that has me excited. So I, I, I'm not sure if we can critique on them being underdeveloped. It's something that is obviously a concern. And again, it falls on Dell Alexander. For getting, you know, having trouble getting open, it, I think, Nick, you hit this right on the head. It's it's, it's, it's putting a lot of weight on, on the guys that, you know, don't have a lot of college football experience yet. You know, they're, they're taking on a larger um, portion of, of the responsibility of that room. 
And, you know, for what, what they're, you know, being handed, I, I think they're doing a, a magnificent job with, with the hand that they're dealt. And I also love the development of Chris Tyree at wide receiver. I think that yeah, should also, you know, tip your, tip your cap to him. This guy was playing running back uh, for the last few years on uh, an Irish helmet. So um, for him to kind of have the quick development that he's had and, you know, contributing to our, our receiving game has, has been a thumbs up in my opinion. Yeah, man, that's a good point. I'm so happy for Tyree that yeah. he's kind of found his home. And, man, you know, he keeps playing like, like he's playing. The, the pros aren't out of the question for him. So, I, yeah, that's a that's a really good point. He's playing good ball right now. Yep. Um, yep. So I'll go to the next question. This is from Clutch Sports Notre Dame. Clutch, I appreciate you, you following and obviously giving us, um, you know, for some sure, great man. questions every week. So I uh, appreciate the follow and your support. He asked, how important was that Duke win for the team, especially after what happened last weekend versus OSU? What offensive elements does ND need to get his game back on track against Louisville? What wide receivers are at the top of the board that ND can realistically get? So um, it looks like we have a few questions in there, um, obviously from Clutch Sports. But, um, Nick, what what did that Duke game mean to you, and how important was that to, to the Irish team? Man, it was massive. I, you know, coming off that heartbreaker against Ohio State, just a, a game that we should have won, and we're not going to harp on it. Um, but you know, a, a a difficult, physically draining and emotionally draining game to come off that, go on the road, go into Duke. Uh, it's their Super Bowl. Not, I, I think you kind of. Uh, mentioned this a few episodes back, Joe. Um, you still get the win even when you're not playing your your A game. Uh, Notre Dame across the board didn't didn't play lights out. They didn't play phenomenal, but they found a way to get the win. And now, you know, we can move past Ohio State. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, we got that bad taste out of our mouth. Uh, we got a win. It was a gritty, tough win uh, against a good opponent. Um, probably should have lost the game to be honest, but we found a way to win. Um, uh, you know, the confidence is going back up for the guys. So I think it's huge. Um, and, uh, I just hope we can keep building on it this, uh, this Saturday and and really have the guys playing at peak performance against the Trojans. Yeah, Nick, I I think you hit that spot on. And one thing I'll, I'll just take a step further on that. I thought it was a great learning lesson. You know, that's important in your season to, to learn from those games. And I know we didn't hit on this when we talked about the Duke game and Nick, I'm sure you want to share your thoughts on this, but you know, Sam Hartman not laying out for that in that first drive versus Ohio state and getting that ball extended. And then you fly forward to, to the Duke game and Sam Hartman was putting his body on the line for a couple, for a couple scramble plays that he was looking to move those chains. And obviously the one that, that sticks out is the fourth and 16 play. He, from what, what it, play, man. from what it looked like, he had a learning experience, and I'm sure it was reviewed in the film room that hey, when when you're by the, you got to put your body on the line for the team. You're you're the quarterback. You're the cat. You have the C on your chest. You got to yep. do whatever it takes to to make sure that you're putting your team in the best position to win and put it all and leave it out all in the field. And for him to kind of have that mistake in the Ohio State game. And then being able to correct it during the Duke game and get rewarded with the W. And obviously the fourth and 16 play was 
oh, I, I was jumping off. The, I jumped out of the couch saying, oh, my God, he's running. And then when, when it looked like there was no Duke players involved, I was like, oh, my God, he got it. Um, I was freaking out. Man. Oh, I was freaking out, man. Um, it, it was a fun time. But those are like the learning lessons I think that are so important where, you know, you, you learn from your mistakes, right? And that's only going to make this team better. And I'm sure there was other examples from the Ohio State game that, you know, were being able to address or addressed by the Notre Dame staff and were corrected on on for the Duke game, I should say. And it was fun kind of seeing that happen for Sam Hartman um, with obviously, you know, making making plays with his feet and really putting his body on the line because I know this dude cares about this season. He's not looking for the draft. He, he wants to win here at Notre Dame football and and really, you know, have a rewarding season for, for Irish fans. I think that's extremely well said, Joe. Um, and I, I I don't even have much to add on to it. I, <laughs> great play by Hartman. Uh, it showed leadership. It showed guts. showed grittiness. Um, I love it, man. Yeah. yeah well said. So, so let's go into the second part. So Clutch Sports then asks, you know, what offensive elements does ND need to get his game back on track against Louisville? You know, the quick take I have on this is, you know, just get healthy. Um, you know, I know the offensive line is going to get challenged by Joe Rudolph. You know, uh, you know, I was pretty critical of them in, in segment one. Um, you know, it's kind of, you know, put your big boy pants on and, you know, we, you need to have, you know, kind of a dominating performance if, if you want to keep this spot in the starting lineup for, for a couple guys. Um, but also, you know, let's make sure we have enough, as many cards as, as we can for the USC game. And let's make sure that, you know, we have the great house. We have the Jaden Thomases. We're adding Reardon to the fold, who I think could be the highest ceiling out of any of the tight ends, including Mitchell Evans. I'm so excited to see what, what we can get out uh, of Eli. Um, so that's to get back on track. Let's get these dudes healthy. Let's perform at a high level and look like we're in sync because we have a tall task here in a couple of weeks and we got to take care of business first Louisville first. Yeah, I think that's well said, man. I, I think first and foremost, it's got to be a bounce back game for the offensive line. We've kind of touched on it, but uh, there's a lot to clean up there. And and if we're gonna, if we're really gonna be playoff contenders, this game's crucial for the offensive line. They got to bounce back. They got to learn from their mistakes. And if they can't do that, then maybe we do need to look at you know those guys like Kristoffic and and Shrouth and you know et cetera. So um, it, it starts up front with me, um, and then on top of that. I, Following up on that, I should say, uh, clean up some of those penalties. I, Zeke Carell is phenomenal. I love that guy. I think he's a great leader, but you can't be doing that in those situations. So I hope he learns from it as well. Good point. Um, and then, of course, you know, getting some guys back uh, in the wide receiver room, man. I <laughs> I think I've harped on it enough. It stresses yeah. me out, obviously. Um, but, yeah, getting those guys healthy, getting them involved uh, in the game plan and keep growing their confidence I think will be huge. And then just expanding the offense, get that running game going again. Um, get Jay Love going, man. I, I love watching the dude carry the rock. So, um, yeah, I think I think if you see some of those things get back on track against Louisville, I think we'll be headed in the right direction. Well said. Well said. And I'll, I'll punt this last question um, to you uh, from okay. Clutch Sports. What wide receivers are at the top of your board, I'm assuming recruiting board, uh, that ND yeah. can realistically get? 
Yeah, I think it's a really good question, man. And uh, it, it seems as though Notre Dame is done with wide receiver recruiting for the 2024 class. And quickly, let me just say, man, Cam Williams Oof. is absolutely insane, dude. Like I, that dude could come in and ball out right now. Um, but personally, I kind of I wouldn't mind seeing us tap back into some 2024 receivers and maybe take one more, maybe take two more. I no, probably not two, but <laughs> it, at least start looking at some options and take, take one more because he, the, the room is so in such a rough spot right now that the more bodies, the better chance you have of, of uh, hitting them. But as far as going on to the 25 class, um, the top of the board for me, and I think the top of the board for the coaching staff is Talon Taylor. Yep. Um, the dude is very, very talented. Um, and I think we have a good shot with him. I think uh, Ohio State is, is coming after him as well. Um, man, that's one I, I hope we can win that battle because he'd be crucial. Um, another one that I think is right there with Talon Taylor Um is Derek Meadows. Um, he really impressed at, at camp this summer. Um, he's a freakish, big, athletic dude. I think he's like 6'5 and he's running like a 4'5". Runs four. like a deer. Yeah, yeah. He runs like he runs like a deer, exactly. Um, so, I, you know, I think he's – I think those two are kind of 1A, 1B as far as targets go. Um, and, and really they're in a good spot for both of them. Now we got to close and if, if Chancey has shown anything, it's that he knows how to recruit. So, um, those two are big. Another name to know is, uh, Dalen McCutcheon. Um, I believe he's coming up for the USC game. Uh, he's out of Texas. He's a talented wide receiver, uh, four-star kid. Um, and I think he, he's focusing on a lot of schools, um, down there close to Texas, but, I do think it, it seems like he has some some solid interest in Notre Dame, uh, and then the last one, uh, Jerome Bettis Jr. Man, legacy, I, I gotta, yeah, <laughs> legacy baby. So uh, those are four names to kind of keep an eye on. Um, if we if we can get three out of the four of those, I'd be very happy. Well said. I, I don't think I need to add on that. You know, Taylor Taylor is at the top of my board of 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 my Christmas list. I guess I should say. Uh, of guys that want to join the 25 <laughs> class, but they're in a good spot with, with multiple dudes, which, which is a great sign. Yeah. So um, we'll go to our last question. Uh, this is from ND Irish fan 23 and the Irish fan. I appreciate the, uh, uh, the love and support. Yes, sir. Um, he you. asks what happened to the offensive line against Duke? Um I, I mean, I, I think in the interior part of the line, they got their butts whipped. They just got their butts whipped. And, you know, again, I, I tip my cap to Mike Elko. Um, I knew Jamie on Franklin was going to play with his head on fire. Who wouldn't want to, um, you know, when you're playing against, obviously, your, your, firm, your former school, um, who wouldn't be fired up to do that? Um, so I knew he was going to come in ready, determined. He, he's a great dude. Um, but they, they got some other NFL talent on that line, man. And what happened was, you know, Notre Dame didn't play to the level of, uh, that they needed to, um, like they did versus Ohio State. I, I thought Duke kind of exposed the interior of their line. And like we kind of said in segment one, it's, you know, put on the big boy pants, you know, uh, Zeke Corral and uh, Rocco 
and Coogan, this is this is time for for you to um, you know have a bounce back performance because we all know that you know you you guys didn't bring your A game for for Duke. Yeah, I think that's really well said, and I don't I don't have a ton to add. I, you know, I I think Duke's defensive line is is really talented. Um, whether we knew that coming in uh, as fans or, or spectators, um, they they have some talented dudes on that front. Like you mentioned, Jamie on Franklin, man, what a performance, and and I'm so happy for that guy. Uh, on top of that, man, I, I just think Mike Elko is really putting. Uh, Jared Parker in this offense in some some difficult situations. He 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 was scheming up some things. That dude, he's a hell of a coach back there. And I mean, you know, d- different stunts, blitzes, uh, disguise and coverages, all, all of that was there. Um, you couple that with uh, you know a lack of wide receiver uh, bodies, um, and, and you're going to have a, a defense that's not scared to send a bunch of different things at you as far as the front seven. So I, again, you know, I, I think we got the win. That's number one. Um, but th- this is, this is good for the offensive line. I, I think Rudolph can really get after him this week um, and, and get him to bounce back next week against, uh, against Louisville. But yeah, worst performance of the year for the offensive line against Duke for sure. But also got to give credit to, to Duke's front seven. So, um and yeah that was our last one right joe yep that was our last one so so we'll go ahead and wrap it up yeah yeah Uh, again appreciate it guys make sure you guys are getting those um those questions in for next week we really appreciate it we love hearing from you guys that's that's my favorite part about doing this is is doing questions and interacting with you guys uh make sure you look for our twitter space after the game um those have been a blast those have been they've so been fun. A, they've been a lot of fun, man. Uh, except for after Ohio State, I was a little frustrated. But, uh, but yeah, no, a, lo- a lot of fun. Um, so make sure you guys are looking for that about 10, 15 minutes after the game. Uh, you'll see uh, the first and goal Twitter space come up. So make sure you tune in. Um, and then, yeah, we'll talk to you next week after hopefully a big win over Louisville. Thanks, guys. Go Irish. Thanks for listening, Irish fans. Please rate and review our podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, at First and Cold Pod, at Nick Kramer IT, and at Joe underscore Kramer underscore IT. And don't forget to check us out at theirishtribune.com and follow us on our socials, at the Irish Tribune. Thanks for listening, and go Irish! <laughs>